I listened to a podcast this week on uh, workplace burnout. And it was very interesting, and they talked to a bunch of experts and acknowledged that the term burnout is kind of vague. It's not really a diagnosis for anything. But they suggest that the symptoms are uh, cynicism, anger, withdrawal, a lack of energy, and joy in your work. And it occurred to me that the Christian tradition and the Christian scriptures uh, acknowledge that there can be a kind of spiritual burnout that we experience along the way. And we've kind of been trying to address that this Lent, that there can be seasons in our life when uh, we experience an increased cynicism, maybe anger, withdrawal, lack of energy, lack of joy in the things of God. The Old Testament actually identifies a constant recurring cycle across Israel's history. Uh, Israel falls away from God, starts to feel separate, starts to experience some problems, starts to cry out to God, then returns to God in renewal and repentance. And you see this cycle over and over and over again in the Old Testament. The history of the church follows a similar pattern. You go from a time of closeness to God, falling away from God, crying out to God, to restoration to God. And I think we see something similar in our own lives. We're not static. We go through seasons. And so this week, we're going to finish up our look at renewal. We've been praying for renewal, asking for renewal. Next week, we begin Palm Sunday and Holy Week. And Please plan. Matt has been working feverishly to prepare this as a sanctuary for Stations of the Cross. And uh, there's going to be a wonderful opportunity for you during Holy Week. So watch the newsletter for the hours when that will be available to you. We're finishing up a couple of weeks where we've been thinking about renewal. And we started with some introspection. We, We talked about our lives as wells and rivers. And we ask what might be blocking the flow of living water through us. Uh, We looked at Romans 5, some of the blessings that come to us as we become believers in Christ. We meditated on the peace and the hope that comes from that. Uh, And then even uh, last week, I shared with you about uh, uh, our transition. And and I'm not exactly sure how that fits in with, with renewal, although um, one of you came up to me this week and, and said, um, you know, while you were speaking, I had a, I had a kind of a vision, and it was of a, it was of a big, <laughs> I think they said it was of a big old tree <laughs> in the forest that fell over, and when it fell over, it created an opening in the canopy, and many of the younger trees that were around it uh, began to grow in new ways, and new life and a new ecosystem was kind of created as, as the one tree went away. Now, I'd rather not think of myself as a <laughs> big old tree, <laughs> but I'll go with the metaphor. And I do even now start to see that happening. Well, Paul offers a beautiful prayer for renewal in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And I thought we would end our little series with that. Um, the book of Ephesians is a, 
is a book about the church, for the church. The first three chapters are the doctrine of how the church has come to be. The second three chapters are about how the church should live. And what's really interesting is in the middle of this rich doctrine and ethics is this passionate prayer for renewal, passionate prayer that the people of God, the church, would experience the love of Christ. I think that in itself may be the most important part of our whole little reflection tonight because you can have good doctrine and you can have good ethics, but without that sense of the love of Christ, without that intimacy with Christ, uh, it's not really what God intends for us. So let's begin by uh, just reading Paul's great prayer for renewal. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Well, you can keep that up there for just a minute. Paul prays, for this reason I, I pray. What's the reason? Well, uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians, which are about the, this beautiful project of the church, this idea that God is bringing together divided people and making them one new man, one new woman, one new humanity in Christ. He says, in light of what God's doing in the church, in light of this being so central to the, to the purposes of God, I want to pray something for you. And then he says, I bow my knees. Jews normally prayed standing up. There are a few times in the Bible where people bow and fall on their knees, and it's times of, of just extraordinary need. You know, I don't normally pray on my knees. I, I remember when our daughter was eight and diagnosed with cancer over at Children's Hospital. That as the day that happened, I stumbled into the chapel over there and fell to my knees. It's just a, it's an expression of, oh, God, I, I can't do anything about this. Help. And I just find that so interesting that Paul says this idea of your intimacy with Christ, your feeling your love in Christ is so important to me that I, I just am falling to my knees even as I write this. And he probably had a, a scribe and he quite literally may have just collapsed to his knees and in prayer as he as he prayed this. Paul addresses the prayer to the father of all families who is rich in glory. And it's his way of saying, we have a good father who wants what's best for us. And that's who we address now. 
And then he makes three requests. The first one, he prays that Christ might dwell in our hearts. I bow my knees that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, Paul's praying for believers, and he's already reminded them in chapter 1, verse 13, that you're sealed with the Spirit. In chapter 2, verse 23, that you're part of the temple of God and he already dwells in you, that when you come to faith, Christ comes into your life. So if it's true that Christ lives in every believer, why then would he be praying that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith? Well, the idea is that when we profess faith in Christ, Jesus really does come to live inside of our lives, but that that's just the beginning. And then the rest of our spiritual journey is giving Christ more and more access into the different rooms of our inner house. There was a delightful little booklet written on this in 1951. If any of you were part of the Navigators, uh, it's called My Heart, Christ's Home uh, by Robert Munger. It's a little dated now, but it's still just very beautiful. And this is from the introduction. He says, one evening I invited Jesus Christ into my heart. What an entrance he made. It was not a spectacular emotional thing, but very real. It was at the very center of my life. He came into the darkness of my heart and he turned on the light. He built a fire in the cold hearth and banished the chill. He started music where there had been stillness and he filled the emptiness with his own loving, wonderful fellowship. I've never regretted opening the door to Christ, and I never will, not into eternity. After Christ entered my heart and in the joy of this new relationship, I said to him, Lord, I want this heart of mine to be yours. I want to have you settle down here and be perfectly at home. Everything I have belongs to you. Let me show you around and introduce you to the various features of the home that you may be more comfortable, that we may have fuller fellowship together. Then the rest of the the little book, it takes you about five minutes to read it. You can get it online. He he talks about uh, inviting Jesus into the library uh, and, and giving Jesus control of his thought life, inviting Jesus into the dining room so that he might eat the food that satisfies, inviting Jesus into the living room and promising to begin each day with fellowship with him there. And at one point, Jesus notices a foul odor and said, my goodness, something stinks. And the, the writer says, oh, no, 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 don't go into that room. And finally, Jesus says, just let me and I'll clean it up. You know, it's a beautiful picture there. And And then it ends with the the author handing over the title of the home to Jesus. Um, And so Paul is praying that we'd have an experience like that with Jesus. That whatever room in your life that you've kept locked, 
and you've said, not that one. <laughs> you know, maybe the career room or the shame room, the family planning room. You have a room like that? You know, one of the things you might do as you get ready for, for Easter, you might even do it in this room, because is just use your imagination a little bit and just say, Jesus, would you show me if there's any room in, in my inner house that I've kept locked from you? And then just invite him in. There's an interesting detail here in this first prayer request. Paul says, I pray that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. (laughs) And you know, you may have Notice that this is actually all one sentence in the Greek from verse 16 to 19. And it's like Paul has just drunk two or three Red Bulls and he is just, just pouring out everything he can possibly say about the love of Christ. And it all gets kind of jumbled up together here. And this first part says that you can't welcome Christ to dwell more fully by the power of the flesh. You even need the Holy Spirit to do that. Spiritual knowledge is spiritually discerned. You can't just listen to a podcast to get this. It only comes by the Spirit. Well, the second prayer requests. He prays that we know the love of Christ. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And again, he's just piling up every phrase he can possibly think of to talk about how loved you are, how beloved you are, how precious you are. He says you're rooted and you're grounded in love. The soil in which the seed of faith grows, it's love. Then he says, there's so many dimensions. He gives four dimensions. We live in three. There's four dimensions of of love. It's so big, it's so broad, it's spiritual. You can't even fathom it. And then he says that he hopes that we know this in a way that surpasses knowledge. There's a kind of knowing that surpasses knowledge. I love Ephesians. Maybe I've been praying about what books to go through this year. And 
this may be one that we go through. Uh, we're going to go through Exodus after Easter, but Ephesians is such a good one. And the doctrine's so beautiful, the ethics are so beautiful. But it's really a book about love. And there's a lot in here about doctrine and ethics and sexuality and family and gender and all this stuff. But it's so interesting when, he, when he's just kind of taken up in the spirit and, and he's on his knees and you can almost hear him weeping and he's crying out for these people. And there's one thing he wants them to know, one thing he wants them to get right. It's not their doctrine of the cross. It's not their theory of sexuality. It's love. I want you to know how loved you are. You know, I was, was thinking this week, in the times that I have served you well as a pastor, it's come out of my own belovedness, my own sense that I'm loved. And so when I'm, when I'm in that space, I serve you freely and joyfully. I don't really need much from you. I hang in there with you. I care for you. When I've served you less well, it's when I've not known my own belovedness and I've moved towards you perhaps with a demandingness, a clinging, a need for you to affirm. And you might not always know the difference, but in the spirit, they're two vastly different ways of relating. One leads to a beautiful fruit. One leads to a bitter fruit. Do you know how loved you are, beloved? May everything this church does in the future grow in the soil of your belovedness. The last prayer. I pray that you be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, I guess you could say this is all prayer for the same thing. Maybe he's just so excited. He's teasing out the different facets of it. But this is, this is a beautiful prayer. He's saying, I want you to be filled up with God. Well, again, I thought we had the Holy Spirit. We do, but Christians are like a balloon. We leak. And so we need to be filled again and again and again. Well, after these meditations on God's love and nearness and fullness, Paul just explodes with this doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Do you notice how he begins and ends the prayer with, with reminding himself and his readers of God's uh, 
sovereign authority and the resources God has to answer the prayer. And that's always helpful in prayer. I want to end in prayer in a minute, but I, I just want to ask you a couple of questions as we, as we reflect on this beautiful prayer. Have you ever invited Jesus to come into your heart? Now, sometimes I've, I've had people say, well, you know, that's not a biblical prayer. Okay. You don't find that prayer in the Bible. You don't find the word Trinity in the Bible. Um, but it resonates with the teaching of Scripture. It's one of many metaphors for belief. And it's a helpful one tonight that our texts ask us to ask. Have you, have you ever asked Jesus to come live in your heart? What rooms of your inner home are closed off to Christ. You know, if, if something is stirring you in this, one thing you might do as we finish up Lent is meet with a trusted friend and just pray together and ask Jesus to go into that room and to open it and cleanse it and air it out and heal it. It could be a beautiful, beautiful experience. What's your experience of the love of Christ? As you think about how you're in the world, how you do your work, how you love your family, your roommate, is it, is it coming out of belovedness? A sense that you are loved? Or is it coming out of more of a whole, a sense that you are empty and others must affirm you for you to feel love? Well, now I want to end in the pattern of Paul. I just want to pray for us as we end this little season of renewal. Pray Paul's prayer for us. So bow your heads, please. Oh, Father, you, you're a good father. You're the father behind all fathers. And you have so many riches to share with us. Lord, in this Lent, in this season of renewal and transition and hope and even some sadness, we we ask that you would strengthen us with your power through your spirit in our inner being. God, we can't do this with our own strength. We can't know your love in our own strength. Please give us the divine aid to experience your love. 
so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Oh God, may you dwell here in this community. May you dwell in each of our hearts. Lord, if if there's a part of our church life, if there's a door in our spiritual church that's locked that we haven't let you into, Lord, blow it open. If there's a room in my heart, if there's a room in any of our hearts tonight that we are saying, no, you will not go in there, even if there's a smell. Lord, right now, we just want to trust you and open that room. We welcome you into any room in our inner house. Lord, may we be rooted and grounded in your love and may we know in a way that surpasses knowledge that your love is so broad and so long and so high and so deep that it is enough for us that nobody can take it away from us, that no hurt, no rejection, no betrayal, no disappointment is enough to drain out the reservoir of love that is in the core of our being. Fill us with your love. we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, dear God, fill us with your spirit tonight. Fill us with the fullness of God. Empower us as a community as we try to follow you anew in this new day. Just breathe into the leaky balloon that might be our life and expand our capacity to walk with you and know you. Release the fullness of your spirit in every way, the gifts of the spirit, the presence of the spirit, the guidance of the spirit, the comfort of the spirit, the leading of the spirit. Do this especially for the leaders of our church during this time. And we ask all of this because you are able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, and to you we give glory in our church. And may we give glory in our church to Christ Jesus for many generations in this building. Many generations forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord.